today that you would help us to focus correctly and understand how intimately you have already connected us with yourself. You've chosen to come and live your life in us, both individually, but also then to build together as out of living stones a temple that would rise and would declare your glory upon the earth. Father, have your way today as we consider your word and the implications of it in how we live. May you alone receive glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been, if you've been with us for any of the previous few weeks, we've been considering a generalized topic on our life together, and I've been sort of drilling down a little bit deeper into that theme, and it has led us to consider our gifts that we have. More specifically, the greatest gift that we have is the gift of Jesus. To say it another way, the gift of the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit who has gifted us and has chosen to dwell in us. And uh, it is out of that place of the dwelling of the Spirit in us that we've begun to consider how does He, the greatest gift, interact with our spirit person And how does He work Himself through the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts and our intellect, uh, our um, logical uh, consideration, in order to finally trickle through and express Himself through this outer person? Uh, So we've been considering that, this uh, tripartite man or woman who is a body, who has a soul, a mind, a capacity... Uh, to reason and feel, etc., but we also have a spirit, a, a, a non-tangible, invisible, uh, but nonetheless very real person of the heart into which the Spirit of God has come and enlivened that person so that He then, the Spirit of God, would lead us so that we not, would not be led simply by our own rationale or cognitive abilities and live our lives carnally is sort of the thrust of what we've been sharing. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says, Now the manifestation, the making manifest so that we could see or hear, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone uh, to benefit everyone else. So that if you are here this morning and uh, you are in relationship with Jesus, the Spirit of God has come into your life to live there, Uh, you therefore um, have been uh, given the Spirit and He manifests Himself through us in order to bless other people. Uh, So that text in 1 Corinthians 12 will be our starting place. We'll soon go to 2 Timothy Uh, But I want to say that the gifts of the Spirit then come from the Spirit. They're His gifts. Now we often use language that says, I have the gift of, or we have the gift of administration, or whatever it might be. But the fact of the matter is, 
He's the gift, and He has all of the capabilities by which He can move through even the likes of you and me. That's the good news. That's the greatest news that I could ever tell you. The reason why Jesus left His place in glory, took on uh, the, the flesh expression of a Jewish man named Yeshua, Jesus, and walked among us to go to a cross and to sacrifice His life so that God who is holy, we sang about it, could have relationship with the likes of us who are not. And when Jesus shed His blood for you and for me, He, God, by means of that sacrifice, makes you holy and blameless in His sight. That's good stuff. See, that's the good news of the Gospel. And uh, we sometimes forget that that then, the giving of the blood, the redeeming of the heart, the coming in to our spirit by the Spirit of God is what makes us new such that 2 Corinthians 5 says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming uh, new. So that the Spirit then, the gifts of the Spirit come from the Spirit, hence they are His gifts operating in us and through us. The Holy Spirit gifts every person with His gifts. They are to be used for the singular purpose of blessing other people. Look at somebody and say, I'm to be a blessing to you. Some of you didn't mean it. <laughs> I'm to be a blessing to you. That is the purpose for which God has drawn you into His kingdom. Not just to give you fire insurance, if you will. Not just to assure you of a life of eternity. God has drawn you into relationship with Himself by His Spirit through the redemptive act of Jesus in order that now you would be a living vessel through whom the Spirit of God could move and manifest Himself to other people. Somebody say, Woo! See, that's good. That's the stuff that gives us purpose in life. And without it, well, we'll get to some symptoms of what that will produce. Uh, let me look with you. I'm talking this morning about how to activate the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, you can turn there if you like. Uh, in the New King James, it says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gifts of God. No, that is not what it says. I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, Paul was writing, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. God's got good things in store for me, you might want to say to yourself. You might want to say that out loud this morning. God has good things in store for me. You see, every place we read in this Word, we find a God who has redeemed us, drawn us into relationship, and loves us, and just continues to give and to give and to give. And one of these days, we're going to catch it that He's calling us then to take from Him and by the Spirit, give to other people. That sounds a little bit like the covenant that God made with Abraham. I will bless you I will make your name great, etc., etc., and I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all the peoples on the earth. Jesus fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant. I'm way afield now. Uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians 
or 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, uh, Paul says that you are to be mindful to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Now, what's it mean to stir up? Well, you could think of stirring up a cake. You could think of uh, stirring up a, a jug of water. I mean, but, but the, the best illustration of that phrase comes, to, comes from stirring up a bed of coals, a fire that has burnt down. And when you give it, a, they look kind of great. You all have done this. The campers on the camp out have done it this morning, I promise you. When you blow away the gray ash, and what emerges are red embers. Coals that have not yet died out. That's the illustration that Paul has in mind here when he says, I remind you to stir up, fan in the flame, if you will, the gift of God uh, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then he says, because God has not given us a spirit of fear. So there are some things then that will keep the fire of God from burning brightly. And Paul mentions one of them here. We're to stir up that gift. We're to rekindle the flame. And some of us are here this morning in badly in need of having those embers stirred up and blown upon and kindling relayed on that fire so that they would begin to burn brightly again. I won't ask you for a show of hands. But I know we're here. And God wants you to see some of your need and do what this Word says. Stir it up so that the wind can blow on it, fuel it up, so that the fire would begin to burn. Well, the corollary to activate, how to activate the gifts of the Spirit, how to stir them up, is the recognition that the fire has begun to wane and is close to going out. There are churches all over America today whose flame has gone out. There are believers all over the world whose flame, their passion, their excitement for Jesus, the flame of the Spirit has just begun to burn down and they've lost their purpose and the symptoms that come from that. Now we're given one symptom, and that is stir up because God's not given us a spirit of fear. Let me give you five reasons gifts go dormant or go out. And the first one is right here in 1 Timothy 1.7. And that is fear or intimidation. You see, sometimes we walk in fear because, think of it, the God of the universe has come to reside in our spirit. That should make us bold as lions. But instead, His speaking is run through the natural mind. And what Paul is saying... God's not giving you that spirit of fear that's keeping Him locked in. He's given you a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind so that when He speaks, you will hear, you will evaluate properly, and you will then speak and act in order to accomplish His will upon the earth. Fear is one of those reasons gifts go out. A second one is unbelief. Matthew 17.20 I would simply the disciples were told to go out and do the works of Jesus and they met this man that was demonized and they couldn't cast out the demon. 
And Jesus, they came back to Jesus and he said if he had faith as small as a little seed of mustard, a mustard seed. You see, why couldn't this demon be removed? And Jesus said clearly it's because of unbelief. You see, you and I can fall into fear and we can also fall into the grinding down of unbelief. Because we begin to agree with the enemy's accusations that you're going to amount to nothing. You don't have anything to give other people. And we begin to get fearful and then we begin to fall into unbelief. Bless you. Now, the third reason the, uh, the, the gifts uh, need to be, can go dormant, is there can be a controlling spirit. And I'll simply mention Acts chapter 4. Remember Peter, he's walking along and he sees the man by the gate beautiful and he was crippled from birth and the guy was looking at him, his eyes locked on him and Peter said, silver and gold we don't have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he went over and helped, lifted the man up and lo and behold, strength came into his ankles and began to walk along with them. The Scripture says, running and leaping and praising God. And guess what? It caused all kinds of pandemonium in the city. It caused a big problem for the disciples. Because the religious people were saying, oh, that's a little bit too radical to perform a miracle on a cripple from life. And in chapter 4 then, the council, the elders if you will, then... Uh, spoke and said, we command you never to speak of this name. Never preach or teach again in the name of Jesus. What was operating there? A spirit of control. You see, fear can shut down the gifts. Unbelief can shut down the gifts. Or controlling spirits can shut down the gifts that are working in your own mind or working in the minds of other people that try to shut you down. You see, we're talking about letting God out of the box. Where's that box? Let God out of the box. See, you're the box. I'm the box. And God wants to get out. That's why we're not to quench, put the lid on, the Spirit. That's why we're not to grieve Him because He wants to come through your spirit, through your mind, and out through the expressor that God's given to you, which is your physical body, by means of words and actions. God wants to show Himself off. God wants to show off through you. Now that may sound a little uh, clip or a little, you know, curt or whatever, uh, but that's what God wants to do. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone in order to bless other people. That's what He said in 1 Corinthians 12.7. Now, fear can shut it down, can cause gifts to go dormant, unbelief, a controlling spirit. What about passivity? Now, in Matthew chapter 11, uh, Jesus talked about um, the violent take the kingdom by force. Now, he wasn't talking about rogue, just you know, doing your own thing and blundering forward, but he's talking about a people recognizing that we've gotten too much into this Christianity's got to be nice myth. Now, I know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, etc. But there's an element to the Christian life that must become a little more rightly militant and, and, and active in its expression and not so passive. We got a picture of Jesus, of, you know, poor little Jesus. No, he was the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
And he, you know, old buddy Jesus, guess what? He's to be feared as well, reverenced and kept in awe. So passivity then can be a means by which the gifts can go dormant. That's the number four. And number five would be uh, neglect. 1 Timothy 4.14, that's why Paul says don't neglect the gift that God has put in you. Uh, So what happens, just think about this for a moment, what happens if um, you're walking in fear, living in unbelief, have a controlling thing going on. What do people think? See, that can be a controlling spirit. I'm, I'm walking in fear, and what do people think of me? Look at somebody and say, I don't care. See, there's only one audience I have to play for. It's not you. It's God. And that's true for each one of us. And when we understand that, that He is that heaven is linked up with my spirit by His living in me, and that we want to then hear from Him, that sweet and still small voice, accurately understanding it, and then express it, things will begin to change. No longer will we walk in fear and unbelief, or under the control and domination of of accusation and condemnation or passivity and neglect. You see, the symptoms that grow out of living a life of neglect or passivity, or fear, or unbelief. Think about it. People are shut down and unable to move. Unable to walk in the full measure of who they are and who God has made them to be. What would some of that look like? The fire has burnt down. Let me give you a couple of ideas here. Symptoms of the gifts going dormant by fear and unbelief and passivity, etc., uh, one that comes to my mind is hopelessness. You don't know how many people are living in hopelessness in this day because they're looking outward rather than looking inward and upward. God is still the God of the universe. God is bigger than the enemies of the nations. God is bigger than ISIS or Hamas. God is bigger. Guess what? We win. And when we begin to think through and hear from Him, processing it accurately through the rightful understanding of the soul and begin to express, God begins to break us out of our purposelessness. All of a sudden, we begin to realize we were called for such a time as this. Sound familiar, Queen Esther? Church, you were called for such a time as this. Shake yourself out of passivity. Wake yourself up. Blow upon the coals. That's what 2 Corinthians 1, 6 and 7 is saying. Stir yourself up. If not, you'll live a life of purposelessness. You'll live a life, secondly, of depression. That simply is anger turned inward. You're just angry. You just don't know. You're living in purposelessness. Or, or spiritual dryness. You know, and there's... There's a lot of other symptoms, but let me just say, people live churches, leave churches because they don't, they don't like this or they don't like that. You know what they don't like? What they don't like is they're living in, in a depressed, anemic, um, purposeless existence, and they've not yet understood that the God who created everything you see when you look out these windows, that God is the same God who lives in you. You see, stop looking for a perfect church. Guess what? There is none. 
In this one. Not with me at the helm. You see, but God is in us. He is big. And, and He wants to awaken us and for us to stir those gifts that we have. Um, the law of use is a good place to simply park for a moment here. The, the, the law of use. Uh, Jesus said in Luke 6.38, Give and it will be given to you. If you're living in purposelessness, if you're depressed, if you've grown dry and your spiritual vitality has waned, if that's you, what should you first do? Begin to listen to the Spirit and then process it rightly through the Word. Is it consistent with the Word? Yes. Does it, is it consistent with the character of God? Yes. Does it produce the fruit of God? Yes. Does it bear witness to my heart? Yes. Then act on it! Get up and do what the Spirit says. Just that still small voice. How do I get out of irrelevancy? Is the question. How do I break through out of purposelessness? Hear what the Spirit says to you. Process it. And then speak it and begin to act in it. And brothers, all that is to say, give and it will be given back to you. Press down. Shake it. It's an irrevocable law. It's the law of use. What you use, Jesus said you'll get more. He who doesn't use what he has will be taken away what he does have. Let me end here by giving you how to wake up your spirit. I'm going to just how do you wake it up? Operate to operate in the gifts of the spirit. You have to cultivate a spirit that's alive. We're not talking about a mental thing. Understanding more Bible verses or going to more classes. That's not what we're talking about. Though that can help. We're talking about stirring your spirit. Find out what stirs up your spirit man. Um, David had his spirit stirred up by worship. Um, Saul, evidently, who had a spirit on him was actually soothed and bathed by worship. Worship can be one of the ways in which we stir our spirit man. Uh, waiting on God in quietness. Just shutting down the noise. Taking ten minutes of your day, first thing in the morning, either drop to your knees or find a quiet place. Read that Word just a little bit because Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. Did you eat breakfast this morning? I did. I had my steel cut oats and apple and other stuff in it. Uh, but you got to feed your spirit is the point. How are you doing that? Through worship, through the Word, through spending some time alone with Jesus. You can't keep burning the candle at both ends, being busier and busier, and then wonder where God is and why you're living in purposelessness. Stir up the gift that is in you. Blow upon those embers. Let the fire begin to emerge. Worship. Waiting on God. Pursuing intimacy with Him. Reading the Word. Fellowship one with another. And then obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing like hearing something from Him that spontaneous Word, that picture that He drops into your spirit, that what seems like right brain, creative, could this be God? 
and then testing it rightly through the Scriptures and then acting upon it. There's nothing like that that begins to rekindle your life of intimacy with the Spirit. Why? Because that's how we were made. To hear and then to speak and then to do. I can't tell you the number of emails that I've gotten from people in the last two or three weeks. All of which were saying, I've never heard this before. This is so amazing. Uh, God actually lives in it. People were so excited. And I could call some of you out right now, but I promise I wouldn't. (laughs) I won't. Because it will embarrass you. But we might have some people later in the next week or so to give some testimonies. Because they're beginning, we are beginning to realize that we were made for this. To hear and to speak and then to do. That's what gives us life. That's what gives us purpose. That's the adventure for which we were, we were born. Now let me give you five practical keys for stirring up or activating the gifts of the Spirit. The first one is simply to free your spirit. You know, it's, it's, if your outer man needs work, that's one thing. If he needs exercise, you need to do it. If you need to change your diet, you need to do it. Uh, you know, I've done that. I had to because of my coronary artery disease. I'm a different person. I don't know what you see and quite frankly don't care. But see, you've got to deal with the outer man and in the same way you deal with the outer man, you've got to deal with the inner man. You've got a man in there who is perishing, who is dying for lack of exercise. And he... The Spirit of Jesus in your spirit must be exercised. And the way you free your spirit, one of the ways is to be in vigorous fellowship, reading that Word, spending time with Him, but also saying, God, I want to hear from You today. And I open my spirit. I do this every morning. I open my spirit to begin to hear from You. God, I activate that that inner man, and I begin to... If I pray in tongues... Ah, that might be theologically whatever for you, but that's what I do. And I, as I pray in tongues, and if, you're, if you don't pray in tongues, I simply invite you to go into looking at the Scriptures and going, wonder if that's for me. That's one of those gifts that He, the Spirit, gives, and He's in me. Therefore, all of them must be available at some level. So ask Jesus who gives to every person severally as He chooses. But that's what I do. I just pray in the Spirit say, God, I open up my spirit, man, to hear from You today. I, I quiet my mind. I put the lid on all of the noise. And there's a faith expectation that must be uh, exercised. Expect the Spirit of God to speak to you and through you. John 10, verse 10 says, My sheep hear My voice. Now, why would He say that? If we being His sheep would walk around going, I don't hear what God says. The only reason we don't hear what God says is we're not listening to God. And through, you see, the same way we understand external stimulus, a smell, a sight, an experience, is through cognitively understanding the experience, remembering it, so that next time you have it, it looks familiar. Oh, I know what that is. It's the very same way in the Spirit. When you begin to hear, you hear the voice, a small voice. It might be a picture. It might be, go over there and speak to Dean. Tell Dean something, by example. Oh, well, that can't be God. So we begin to argue it away, and we therefore disobey what the Spirit says. And what have we learned to do? 
We've learned to disobey. So we have these years of having learned to disobey the voice of God. And God simply sort of pulls back and goes, well, when you're interested in me, let me know. That's called grieving the Spirit. So that what you must do then is wake up every morning and say, God, I open my spirit to You. Speak to me in any way You want to. Speak to me through Your Word. Speak to me in Your Word. Speak to me through that creative, spontaneous flow. God, if You tell me to do something as foolish in my mind as take my grocery cart back and put it into the lobby of the grocery store, I will do that. When you begin to do that, you begin to gain a repertoire of understanding, a history of obedience. And God says, to whom much is given, much will be required. When you obey Him in the little things, He'll give you more. It's the law of use. You begin to grow strong in your spirit. You activate your spirit or awaken your spirit by opening Him up and having a faith expectation that He wants to move through you. Expect Expectation draws the Holy Spirit out. When you expect something of another person, they often will perform like a job, like an employee. When we expect God to speak to us according to His Word, God begins to speak to us. Thirdly, practical way of activating the Spirit, the gifts, is to focus. Focus your attention on listening to His voice. Quiet your noisy mind. There are times when I just don't sleep at night. You know why? You know why. It's the same reason you don't sleep at night sometimes. The mind turns on. And I've got to figure everything out. That's called anxiety and worry and fear. But the Scripture says, cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. When there's anxiety and worry and fear in my life, it's a symptom that I'm relying upon the old carnal man. My intellect, my abilities to work things out in my own strength rather than work them out with him or have him working them out in me. Free your spirit, expectation, and then thirdly, focus your attention on listening to that voice. See him speaking to you. See Him desiring to speak to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. And the door will be open to you. This has become now practical. How do I activate the Spirit? You must ask. You must seek. You must knock. And He will be faithful. He will begin to speak more and more to you. And that's what some of you have been uh, saying to me. Then you begin to engage with what He speaks. To feel, if you will. uh, To identify the impressions that the Spirit gives to you. So Paul's getting ready to go on some, uh, some missionary journey and the Spirit speaks, Hey, don't go over there. We think that's weird. That's the normal Christian life. Don't go over there. Or, or somebody else at another, another time, he has a vision, a man of Macedonia saying, come over here. That's weird. 
You know what I'm saying? If we, if we catalog that and run it through the natural mind, the scientific, the logical, I just saw a vision. There's a sheet that came down from heaven. It was filled with all these unclean animals. Kill and eat. I was dumb. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, that's what we do all of the time. And we build up a, a history of disobeying when God speaks to us. What I'm encouraging you to do is to stir that up and begin to take relevant and biblically authentic steps of obeying Him. Feel what He's saying. Was it a word? Was it a scripture? An idea? An impression that you had? Then look at it and ask the Holy Spirit for more information. He might, go just, he might say, just go encourage Emily over there. That might be all you get. So then you begin to go, Lord, is that you? Yeah, okay. Is it consistent with your word, with your, your character, with your spirit, with your fruit, etc.? Yeah, okay, I'm going to go. And I don't know what comes next. Ask Him for more information. Remember like the Kleenex box. All I got was go encourage. So now I got to walk with go encourage. And I don't have a clue what I'm going to go encourage about. You hear what I'm saying? But as you begin to go and begin to encourage, you'll find another one. And then another one. And then another one, until you have exhausted what the Spirit wants to speak to Emily through you. Now the manifestations of the Spirit are given to each one of us for the common good of each one. He just now has spoken something, go encourage a person, and now you begin to walk in it obediently and encourage it. That means open your mouth and begin to say encouraging things that you're hearing from Him. That's the feeling, looking and asking the Spirit for more detail. And then finally, it's that action. Speak out what God has said to you or what He's revealing to you. Step out and act on what God is showing you. See, miracles will never happen or never take place until you begin to put yourself at risk. How do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. Risk. You can't get around it. You might look like a buffoon. You might fail. You might feel foolish. All of that's okay. God might say something and you might catch it and then begin to speak it or act on it and lo and behold, God shows up, somebody gets blessed, miracles begin to happen. Hello? I know some of you are sitting here going, is it really that easy? Probably. So, at some point, you have to take the risk and act upon what the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. Four quick examples, and then we'll move to communion. Peter saw Jesus coming to him. Peter was in the boat. Jesus was on the water. And Peter said, in braggadocious fashion, if that's you, bid me come. And Jesus simply said, come. Out of the boat, Peter stepped onto the water, going after Jesus. And then he went, uh-oh, I'm on the water. See, it's an example of something that seemed foolish, but he acted upon, and God met him. Uh, the lepers, ten were cleansed, Luke 17, 14. And it was, uh, they were cleansed as they went their way. Jesus spoke, go and do something, and as they said, okay, 
they began to act and walk in what He spoke, the healing came. A third example, quickly, is that the disciples were distributing food. Jesus said, feed these 5,000 people. There are two accounts of it. You feed them. Give them something to eat. Oh, no. All we got is this little piece of bread and maybe some fish. Well, have people sit down and start feeding what you got. Now, they could have said, oh, we got to scurry and go to the towns and buy bread or hang on for an hour and a half, we'll get back to you. No, they began to break the bread. And it was in the act of risking breaking the bread that the bread never ran out. Can you imagine a piece of bread, breaking it and feeding everybody with one little piece of bread and you just keep breaking it and it just keeps multiplying? That's what happened. Seems foolish? Yeah. But miracles happen as we obey. What about Jesus? John chapter 2. This water, they ran out of the best wine that they saved for last. And Jesus said, fill up the water pots. These big water pots, fill them up. As they filled them up, the miracle happened of the transformation of water into wine. You can't get out of the uncomfortable stuff of hearing and obeying in what can seem to the intellect as foolish. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because the Scripture says they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. The Spirit is what speaks, and we simply do the hearing, the evaluation, and the walking. Some of you are here this morning, and as we close with the celebration of communion, you can re-up in whatever way you need to with Jesus who is King. One way is... Have you committed your life to follow Jesus as Lord? Not not playing games, not a 50%er, not an 82%er. Are you fully in in following Jesus? That's a question that you should probably ask as we distribute this morning the elements. Another one is, have you been filled with the Spirit? Are you full of Jesus? Or has He leaked out? Meaning... Has He diminished, and do you need to stir up that gift that God has given you and activate His life in you? If so, it's really easy to do. You simply say, Jesus, I've given my life to You, but I've been holding back. And I want You to fill me afresh with Your Spirit. Right right now, God, by faith, would You fill me unto overflowing with Your Spirit. Uncork in me anything that I'm holding on to. Transgress, go beyond my fears, all of my control, and you simply begin to do in me all that it is, all that is your purpose. You simply take your hands off. Say, fill me. Now, if you ask God to do that, He'll never turn you away. The table was given for you and for me. Why? so that we would remember what Jesus came to give to us. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it, saying to His disciples, this is My body which was given for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of Me. After He had eaten with His disciples, He took the cup and pouring it out, He said, this is 
the blood of the new covenant poured out for you as often as you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. God gives us opportunities to re-up with Him all the time. Stir up the gifts of God that are in you. Let's pray. Father, thank You for giving us uh, this opportunity to share in these common elements of bread and juice. God, would You use them so that we might contact the real life of Jesus in our midst. We thank You, Father. Prepare our hearts to receive, to be refreshed, to be stirred up in Jesus' mighty name. This table is for all who truly turn from their self-life. This table is for every person who wants more of Jesus. This table is for everyone who simply says, God, here I am, fill me unto overflowing. Elders, would you come and would you prepare your hearts Let's worship and let's begin to be attentive to what the Spirit of Jesus would say to you during this time. Suppress the noise of your natural mind and ask the Spirit of Jesus to speak to you as we worship and as we receive these elements. Dr. Luke.
themselves here at the front. I'm going to activate you to speak to others around you. Should God give you something of encouragement for them, let's stand and I'll dismiss you. And then uh, the ministry team of those now standing can share as they are so led. Father, thank you for your goodness. Now may your grace Continue to activate us, your people. May your love be stirred more and more in our hearts. May we understand how deep, how wide is that love that has gifted us. And may we use those giftings that reside in us for the encouragement and strengthening and comforting to those around us. We give you praise. We give you thanks. In the name of Jesus you're here and have never given your life to Jesus, I would invite you to come forward to receive Him this morning. If you need to be filled with the Spirit that's a void in your life, I invite you to come that we might pray for you to receive as well. If you like, would like special prayer for any area of your life, feel free to come forward or to share with those around you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today in Jesus and all of God's people said together.